book of, of advice to the church. And if you will, turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 4. We're in uh, James chapter 4. And this has a lot to do with um, the pride of the world. And James uh, warns the church about uh, the pride of the world and, and, and worldliness. So let's read those first ten verses together here. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But, he, go, but he, go, he gives more grace. Therefore it, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom, humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask that you add a, a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of your word. Father, let it go forth and not return void. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. We all have um, needs because uh, you know we're human beings, creatures, mortal creatures, and um, and and we and we live in, in a world where nature has fallen, and therefore we have to have things um, to sustain us and to help us through life. I remember being a teacher uh, preparing for public school, and one of the things that probably had the most influence on, on some of my thoughts about um, the need for education. And, and now, of course, the need for uh, relying on God. Um, there, there was a, um, um, a sociologist, um, Abraham Maslow, who said we have basic needs, and there is a pyramid of basic needs. Um, we have physiological needs or physical needs. You know, food, air, water, um, those kinds of things. We have um, needs for safety, and we need to feel safe. I mean, we, we, we build shelters for ourselves to, to, to save us from the elements. And we have um, groups of people that, that we um, become part of to, um, to, be, to feel safe. Um, and I'll just say this too. One of the differences between men and women is that women have, have a high value on safety. And so they, when they marry someone, that's what they're looking for a lot of times is safety. They're, they're looking for someone who can protect them. And, and that's uh, another basic need of, of life. We, we need that protection. We desire safety. The other thing that, that we're looking for is, is belonging. You know, th this is where, you know, love and marriage come in. This is where families come in. 
We, we, and, and various groups of friends come in. We have a basic need to, to belong to something. Uh, to belong to something bigger than just ourselves. Be belonging to our spouse, belonging to our, our families, belonging to um, our, our friends and circles of friends. That, that, that's a basic need. Uh, the other um, basic need is that we have this, this need to be respected by other people. We need, we need people to affirm us. We need people to respect us and, and, and to love us. Um, we, we need that, that, that sense that, that we're valued. And then probably the top of the period is this idea of, of what um, he calls self-actualization, which is this, um, uh, the idea of I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be the best that I can be. The, the, the best person uh, you know, that, that, I, that, I, that I could possibly be in this life. I'm not necessarily talking about morality per se, although that, that, that could, can be included. I think it has to do with the idea of, of, of power and, and uh, being, being able to control my life and, and uh, being the best me that I can be. And, and th those are all basic needs that, that we um, seek to fulfill in this life. And a lot of times, um, you know, uh, we, we, we turn to, to the world around us to fulfill those needs. The problem for the believers of, of God and believers in the Bible is that, that the world has become corrupted by its sin. When, when the Bible talks about the world, it's not just talking about the world in general, the, the created order. It's talking about... Um, the, the, the order as it has fallen away from God. Creation that, that has become godless. Creation that, that is focused on it, itself and its own wants and desires rather than focusing on God. And anytime we, we, the Bible talks about the, the world, you had, the context kind of determines what, what it means here. It's talking about the world and its godlessness. It's talking about the nations of people who have um, in their hearts rejected God and that rejection came a long time ago, and, and that corruption has spread throughout all humanity. And, uh, and, and the only way that humanity can be saved, of course, is to come to God and humble ourselves before Him and realize that He is the one who made all things. He is the one worthy to be glorified and praised. And He desires not just to rule us, but to love us. <laughs> And the sooner we realize that, the better off we'll be. Now, we've talked about in the scriptures here where, where James is talking to a church that, that is basically in exile. Um, he, he's addressing Jewish believers who have um, been dispersed throughout, throughout the, um, the region because of, a, of a, a more intense persecution that was happening in the city of Jerusalem. They became scattered about. So James is still in, in Jerusalem as leader of the Jerusalem church. He's the brother of Jesus. And he's addressing his brothers and sisters in Christ in these other regions. And, you know, he, he's concerned about the church because uh, the, the, there were several things going on. Um, that, that they were feeling the pressures of their situation. Of, of um, you know, lo losing home, lo losing uh, property, you know, uh, Losing their, their former lives, their, their livelihood, and having to, you know, basically rely on each other for, for, for their basic needs to meet those, those needs. And, and the tendency was for these believers to give up following Christ 
because of these hardships and to turn away from Him. And he also saw divisions that were happening among uh, the churches um, where he, with the ones he's addressing here. He was afraid of these divisions coming up. And so James, with his king knowledge of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ and of God's word, he asked them the question, why, what causes the quarrels and what causes the fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Those, those basic needs that, that they had, that, that they had sought those things with, with their passions, their emotions, that, that they had allowed those kinds of things to get the best of them, while they were seeking their basic needs. And it was their, their passion, he's saying, for things that caused them to have um, intense desires for things that they probably shouldn't have. And he tells them, you know, here in verse 2, you desire and do not have, so you murder one another. I'm here to tell you today that one of the, the main causes of war has to be this the, a covetous desire for, for land and property, for um, uplifting um, um, what's mine and, and, and the things that you've got, I want. <laughs> that, that's what causes quarrels and fights between people. That's what causes murder between people is this covetous desire, this, this jealousy for the things that, that another person has. Uh, you know, wars are caused by this. I mean... We, we know that, that this is an ancient battle going on between Israel and the Gaza Strip right now. Israel and the Palestinians have, have fought over that land for centuries. And Israel was given control of it, you know, long, long, long ago by, by God. And then after being driven out for so many, you know, thousands of years, they were able to return in 1948. And, and uh, they, they were given that land back by the British government. And, of course, the Palestinians, you know, that, that were there um, caused them much trouble and, and some of the other Arab nations that were close by. And, and, and we're seeing that play out again um, here, here right before our eyes, the, the, this whole thing. And I'm not going to sit here and say this is a sign of the end, um, but we do know that the final stage of history is going to happen there, there at the Battle of Armageddon. And um, so we, we need to be praying people. We need to pray for, for peace. We need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We, I'm not saying that we take sides in all this. Um, we are um, grafted into the nation of Israel. And even Paul says this, and, and, and I, I don't want to get too far off on this. Maybe I need to do a sermon on it. But he talks about this in, um, in uh, Romans um, 8, 9, and 10 in particular, that... Um, God has always had a remnant of Israel. He's still concerned about them, even though He has turned the gospel over to the Gentile nations. He still has a concern for, for Israel. And God has always had a remnant of Israel that was faithful to Him. But Paul even says, too, that there's a mystery of the faith. And his conviction was that all Israel will one day be saved. But I do think we need to be careful about separating this idea of political Israel to a certain degree from the people of Israel. And, it, and, and it's the people of Israel that, that God is wanting to save. And um, I, I hope that, um, that Israel shows restraint in going after 
um, the Palestinians here. I, I, know what, I know the Palestinians aren't showing restraint, but, but the nation of Israel need, needs to be better people. So we need to pray for them, pray for peace, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and ask God to, um, to bring an end to this. But anyway, the, the whole thing is, is that we're, we're too busy relying or, or looking at our own needs um, and, and allowing our passions to control us and, and, and to go after the things in the world when we know really and truly that, that or at least the believers should know that God is going to provide those needs if we but turn to Him. We shouldn't use our passions to covet. We shouldn't use our passions to lust after the, these basic needs um, that we have. He also says here, um, you, you do not have because you do not ask. We don't have the things that we need because we don't ask God for them is, is what, what he's saying here. And he says, and even when you do ask God, you come, you come to him with the wrong motives. Again, seeking personal gain or, 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 or allowing our passions to, to control us. He says the reason, when, when, you, when you go to God, you, 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 even when you ask God, you ask wrongly, e -e either doubting Him and then going your own way anyway, or just with, with the wrong motives. It's sort of like you know, when, we, when we say, you know, uh, we, we're praying for our needs. We're praying for the things that we need. But do you really need a new Ferrari? <laughs> do you really need a new private jet? <laughs> or, or do you really need a newer and bigger house? Or do you really need a, a four-car garage? Um, th those are the kinds of things I think he's talking about here. You ask wrongly. You, you ask out of selfish motivations. You're asking these things to, you know, um, for, for this idea of self-actualization. You know, I, I want to become the best that I can be, and so I've got to have the best things. And there's nothing wrong in and of itself to become the best person that you can be. It's just, what, what are those standards? We have to ask ourselves that. Are we going by the world standards, or are we going by God's standards? That's the question. So he calls them adulterous people. Now, is he talking about actual sexual immorality here? I don't think so. The Old Testament uses the idea of adultery to describe this divided heart that the people of Israel had over and over again. They, they, they desired to worship God and receive blessings from Him, but they also turned and looked at what the other nations have, had, and they said, I want that too. And so they pursued idolatry. They, they, they were divided in their hearts between trying to serve God and trying to serve the world because they saw what, what these folks had and they wanted that. And they, they're saying that, that their false gods are the things that, that, that are giving them these things that I want. And so they turned to idolatry. So they were divided in their loyalties. Just like a, a woman who's married to a husband and she goes around and, 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 and uh, visits other men. Or the same thing, you know, a, a man who has a wife and he's going around visiting other women. That's exactly what they were like. God, God warned Cain in the very beginning. Remember the story of Cain and Abel? 
about his, his jealous desire for the things that, that, um, that, that, that um, Abel had. And, and, and the desire for God's blessing uh, Cain became jealous for. And God warns him about this in Genesis 4. He says this, But for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at, your, at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Whenever we allow our covetous desires for, for the things of, of, of the world, this, this focus on material things, whenever we allow that to overtake us, um, what happens is our, our, our jealousy for those things is just like a beast crouching at our door ready to devour us. Our passions can take over, leading us in, into sin. And I think the number one thing here that, that James is talking about here is simply this, compromise. Compromising your beliefs in God in order to obtain things in the world. I think that's what, what he's ultimately pointing at here. G God has loving standards for us that, that are supposed to free us, that are supposed to bring us His blessings. It, 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 it's, it's through the moral law that God reveals His own nature to us. It's sort of like God giving Himself to us. And, and he, he expects us to, to return the same to Him and to others. And this is supposed to free us from all of this jealousy, all of this quarrel, all these quarrels, all of these fights, all, all of these um, passionate desires, all of these offenses that, that we make against other people. When we do, when we follow God with the whole heart, instead of coveting the things that are in the world, God promises His blessings on us and He will meet our basic needs, our true needs. If we but give ourselves to Him and follow Him. Did, Jesus talks about this in the Sermon on the Mount in in uh, Matthew chapter 6. Where he says, Why do you worry about food and clothing? You see how God feeds the birds. You see how God clothes the lilies of the field. And, and they neither work nor toil for anything. Why do you worry about having um, things in the world when you know God will meet the, the needs that you have? And Jesus ends that by saying, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. James is repeating the same thing right here. He says, well, why don't you trust God for these things instead of seeking after them all the time and, and uh, letting your passions control you and seeking them? He's saying you need to control your passions. Now, that's the thing. How do we control our passions? How do we control our passionate desire for the things of this world and of this life? How do we do that? How do we give ourselves to God and trust in Him? Well, first and foremost, James says here that we need to humble ourselves before God. We need to humble ourselves before God. 
We, we, we need to realize that, that I am His creation and that He is the God of the universe and there is nothing that I deserve because of, of my corruption. Because, because the world has fallen away in its sin. And in and, 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 and my inner self, I, I have been corrupted um, by, by this passing on of, of the corruption from Adam. You know, allowing my um, own passions and desires to, to control me has caused all sorts of offense to God and has caused all sorts of problems. My, my, my heart is, is divided. And, and the sooner that we realize that, the better off that you and I are going to be. We have quarrels and fights among you. It's because of your passionate desires. How do we control our passions? First and foremost, we humble ourselves to God. We come before Him. And say, Lord, you know better than I. You are better, better than me. <laughs> you are the God of the universe who made all things. I am just your, your creature. And I know nothing compared to you. <laughs> and I have no goodness or righteousness in and of myself. But you are righteousness and goodness and holiness. I think, that, I think that's the first step in... And, and, and purging ourselves of these passions and, 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 and helping to get rid of the quarrels that are going on within us and, and, and outside in the world. As believers, we need to humble ourselves before God, and, and many of you have done that. It also says not only to humble ourselves, but to submit ourselves before God. We're asking God, not only to be our Savior, but also our Lord. <laughs> and when we say the word Lord, we mean somebody who rules over us. So, somebody who, who is, has a higher station and is uh, you know, a, a, a noble ruler over us. Because, again, God is the maker of all things. He, he's the king of the universe. Humbling yourself means submitting to God. So that means that when He tells us things... We do them. We obey Him. When He asks us to do something, we do it. What His Word says is true, and we should accept it and, 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 and perform it. And God is not going to ask us to do anything evil. He might ask us to do something good that, that might end up being harmful to us. He might ask us to do something morally good that might cause us to lose friends and, and relationships. He might ask us to do things that, that are the, the right thing to do that, that might hurt us personally. But, it, but because it's the right thing to do, we should do them. We submit ourselves, we humble ourselves before God, um, recognizing who I am and who He is. We submit ourselves to God because we believe that He is right and that He is good. And so we're going to do what He tells us. And really and truly, you know, when we hear that word law in the Old Testament, we take that in a negative way. That, that, that this is the law, that we're being ordered to do it, and, and, and it's meant to restrict us, and, and it's meant to hold us down. But, but really and truly, the, the word Torah means instruction. This is God's teaching to help us achieve our best life now in this world. And that meets the need of, of what we call the number one need of self-actualization. 
God wants us to be the best person we can be, but according to His standard, not ours. And according to His standard and not the world's standard. And to do that, we submit ourselves to God. We submit ourselves to, to His Word. We submit ourselves to His instruction. We, we, we submit ourselves to the revelation of who He is. He says, resist the devil, the tempter, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. He tells them, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. This goes back again to the idea of what, what we were talking about, the, the adulterous generation, or adulterous people. People who were divided in their hearts, trying to serve God and serve things in the world. He's saying that you need to cleanse your hands of your sinful acts and purify your heart so that you're no longer double-minded. This is what God wants from us, to have an undivided heart. Sometimes, uh, you know, as, as human beings, we, we, we are limited by our mortality. We're limited by our weaknesses. We're limited by our diseases. We're limited in our knowledge. We're limited in our minds. And we're always going to make mistakes. But when God calls us to be perfect people, what He's saying is He wants us to have an undivided heart for Him. To not be double-minded. To not try to have one foot in the world and one foot out of it. But to be totally sold out for Him. And when we do that, the ending here, it says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. When we allow God to do things His way and, and, and we give ourselves to His way and we do that wholeheartedly out of sheer joy for God's love for us and what, for what He has done for us, then we will be exalted. It's, it's the paradox of Scripture. When we stop trying to promote ourselves and, and our own passionate desires for the things of this world, when we let go of that and, and fully embrace God and, and say, I'm going to do things your way, Lord, He will then lift us up and exalt us. We have to humble ourselves to get exalted. That's, that's, that, that's the paradox. And that's what God wants from us. That's what you and I need to do if we want to see God's blessings in our lives. And so we draw near to God. How do we draw near to God? How do we humble ourselves? How do we submit ourselves? I think it takes um, uh, daily examining ourselves and asking God to show us where, my heart, where our hearts are divided. Just ask Him, you know, Lord, Lord what, what's the sin in my life? Are, are, are there things that, that I am pursuing that, that, that you call ungodly? Are, are there things out there that, that, that are not good for me that I, that I shouldn't be pursuing and help me to pursue you? We've got we to have this, this um, healthy dose of humility before God day by day, dropping our pride, asking Him to show us the things uh, that, 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 that are wrong in our lives and asking Him to cleanse us and to forgive us and cleanse us and help us to, to live for Him. And we remember that Christ has already done the cleansing for us through the cross. 
All we've got, we, but, we, but we have to daily examine ourselves and avail ourselves of that atonement and ask God to show us where we've gone wrong and to forgive us and help us not to turn back to the, those sins. We've got to do that daily in our prayers, truly seeking God to reveal to you um, what's wrong in, in, in my life and how I can do better according to His will and His standards. And we need to simply ask God for our needs in faith. Trusting in Him and not trusting in, in the world to, to do those things for us. When we are sick, yes, go to the doctor, but seek God first and pray and ask Him, ask him for, for help. And do it in faith. Don't, don't do it half-heartedly. When we have a financial situation, ask God to help you. Lord, Lord I need help in this situation. And, and, and God, you know, allow Him to work. We might not get the answer immediately, but God, God will, will help us with that. I can say recently that, that you know, I had a few things come up that I needed to pay extra money for and ask God for the help. And, and next thing I know, boom, I get an email from um, a higher Christian saying, we, we got another class in November we need you to take. And I said, I'll take it if you give me money, <laughs> which they do. God works it out every time. It's uncanny. And I'm not, I'm not even thinking about it or expecting it. That, that was a surprise. God does those things for us, and, and we can trust Him. And, and um, you know, it, it doesn't happen all the time. You know, some, sometimes God allows us to learn lessons um, through, the, through the, those things. And, and God knows what we need. So it, it's not so much about expecting these things from God, but trusting in Him. And even if I don't get the answer I want, God will still meet, meet my need. And we need to trust Him that in His timing that He is right and He will meet our needs. And when we do that, He's, He has promised us to help us and to exalt us. And of course, you know, I say this often, and, and it's almost a cliche, but um, if, if we really want to draw close to God and, and have Him meet our needs and have Him purify our hearts and, 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 and uh, put off these passionate desires we have, we need to spend more time with God and less time in the frivolous pursuits of the world. We need to spend more time in God's Word. We need to spend more time praying. We need, we need, we need to spend some of our time more in, in the church with the fellowship of believers and in discipleship. We, we, need, we need to give God more time and, and, and less time in, in, in the other frivolous pursuits. Not that everything out there is wrong, but, but we, need, we need to give more time of, of our day and of our week to God. Um, one day a week is not enough for us to become believers. But there are plenty of things you can do at home. You can pray, you can read God's Word, you can listen to God's Word, you can uh, 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 go back through, through the sermon during the week or, or other people's sermons, those kinds of things. Spend more time in, uh, with, with God and less time in, in, in the worldly pursuits. And I'm not calling anything out in particular. I think those things are a matter of conscience as long as they're not called sin. If it's called sin, you better stay away from it. 
But, but God works within our conscience on certain things that are out there in the world. And, it, and if it violates our conscience, we certainly shouldn't be involved in it. But the, more we, the closer we draw to God, the more He'll reveal those kinds of things to us. And we need to spend more time with God and in His Word and, 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 and with God's church and, and with God's people and, and, and less time on the frivolous pursuits of the world. When Jesus prayed for his disciples, he said, Lord, they're not of the world because I am not of the world. I do not pray that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. You and I are in the world, but not of the world. We don't have to be caught up in, in the worldly pursuits. They can be caught up in what God desires and what God wants. And the closer we draw to God, the more that we're in love with Him, the more that we love others, and, and, and the more that, that we are free from the things that are out there in the world. And, and my call today for you is, is to draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. Let go of your passionate desires for the things of this world and trust in Him more and more. And God will meet your real needs. And the real need for us, I would say the number one need, is our salvation from, from sin and wickedness and evil. Because there is a judgment coming upon all sin. But the righteous will receive their reward if they hold on to Christ all the way in faith. Let's stand.